Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning, church. Good morning. Thank you. Those who have the scriptures in their hands, I would invite you to turn to the Acts of the Apostles, and we'll be considering uh, one verse from the Acts of the Apostles, the ninth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, and we'll be looking at verse 10. But for sake of context, we will start from verse 1 and end up at verse 18. Acts of the Apostles, uh, chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. If you are there, then I commence reading, and uh, the Bible reads, But Saul, who was later to be called Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, So, so, why are you persecuting me? Like the King James there, eh? So, 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 why persecutest thou me? Okay? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. That would be our base of context this morning. The Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he prayeth. Ask KJV. 
and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he arose was baptized and taking food we are told he was strengthened again ends our bible reading this morning i'm being told that you have been considering a series or teachings in those people that are mentioned in the scriptures but are regarded so to say as non-entities, they are not so much pronounced so that when you read the scriptures, you might only find them once or twice being mentioned in the scriptures. And because they are mentioned once or twice in the scriptures, we often wink over them and perhaps don't consider much of their relevance to the scriptures. A man in point here is this man called Ananias. We would perhaps be extremely conversant, not with this Ananias in Acts chapter 19, but in the Ananias of Sapphira, because of the story surrounding that couple. And therefore, he... He is popular, he's popularized, so to say, by that story. Meanwhile, if we look at Ananias as this one that we have met in Acts chapter 9, really he is just mentioned as if it is in passing. And because he is mentioned as if it is in passing and the main actor there, is the Apostle Paul, or Saul of Tarsus, as I said, we wink over such characters. And off we go, reading our scriptures our own way. The danger with that is that what we read is often transmitted in what we see in the church. And we often repeat in the church. 
those that we think they are not of repute, those that we think their names are not so often mentioned in the church, those that we think are timid, those that we think are non-entities, those that we think are of little help in the church, such as those, we often don't talk much about them. We wink over them. We, we, we as it were, like, do a Passover. But I want us to look at this man very closely, called Ananias. And I want to us to notice certain things that should arouse next time the way we view those people that we regard as of little status in the church. Now, as I said, Ananias is mentioned here, and of course he's also mentioned in Acts chapter 22. Uh, but the main portion of scripture where he is mentioned is in Acts chapter 9. Now, there are very few things, plenty things that we can learn about Ananias. And as a way of introduction, I want to pick up those few things that anybody who picks up the Bible and reads this passage or hears this passage being read to them will easily pick them out. Now, from the passage, it is easier to pick out that Ananias here is being used by God as an instrument in the process of the conversion of the Apostle Paul. That, that is very clear. That is very clear. Boom! There is lightning. Or there is light, a great light on the way to Damascus. Boom! The Apostle is blind, can't see. Boom! He is in Damascus at the house of Judas. Boom! Who comes there? Ananias. Brother Saul. Okay? So we, we easily... We easily see that and say uh, he helped. He was an instrument that God used in the salvation of Saul. But uh, one thing also that comes out very clear is that miracle that happened by the hands of the man called Ananias. When he goes to see the apostle Paul in the house of Judas, what does he do? He lays his hands upon him and we are told from the scriptures that some things like scales dropped out of his eyes. And lo and behold, the man who could not see was able to see. We easily pick up that. And we can give accolades to Ananias, isn't it? Of course we can give accolades to him. Uh, if it is these days, we'll say, perhaps Ananias would say, my holy hands. How done it. Hallelujah. All right? Yes, Ananias, that we are, can easily pick it up. And we learn about that. But we also, there's something that we learn about Ananias here, about being obedient as a servant of God. Immediately God says, Ananias, go. Look, 
Uh, there's a little bit of hesitation, isn't it? There is. There, uh, uh, wait a minute. Um, okay, I, I, I saw it in the vision, yes. But wait a minute. Lord, this escapade. Uh, uh, let's reason together here. I have heard about this man that he is very dangerous. He has bound both men and women. And he has come here with authority, written letters from the high priest, so that he comes and drags each and every one of us who belongs to the way, so that they are thrown in jail in Jerusalem. Wait a minute. On that point, I am not going there. I'm not. It was just being reasonable, isn't it? Just being reasonable. You say, no, 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 wait a minute. I need some kind of guarantee here. And the Lord gives it to him, isn't it? Uh, um, I have chosen him as an instrument. Um, he is going to be used as a vessel in my hands. You go. And immediately, Ananias hears that. You easily pick it from the scriptures, isn't it? Immediately he hears that. He goes to the street called Straight. I wonder why it was called Straight. Have you imagined? I thought it should have been called Judas Iscariot Street. But it was called the Straight. So Straight. Ananias went to this street called Straight. He was a straight man. Going to a straight street. To find an unstraight man, Cody. So, well, he went there and he found uh, that we can easily pick. That we can easily pick when we read from the scriptures. What am I saying then? I'm saying that those are easy to pick. But my intention this morning is not to pick these obvious, obvious things that Ananias is hearing on for. Okay? As much as I would have loved to speak on that, I'd loved to speak on him as a vessel that God used to drop those scales out of the eyes of Saul. As much as I would have loved to speak of him as an obedient servant, as much as I would have loved to speak of this man as an instrument in the hands of God, I want us just to look a little bit more, a little bit more deeper, a little bit more, more theological, so to say, on the relevance of this man called Ananias. Therefore, to do that, I would, I would want us just to look at one point, just one, not two, one. Okay? And that point is this, that God sometimes uses non-entities amidst us to leave very profound or indelible marks in our Christian lives. Let me repeat that. It's a mouthful, isn't it? It's, it's supposed to be some kind of a lecture note. You get the point? Uh, beamed on the screen. But let me repeat that. I want us to consider this one point from Ananias, that God sometimes uses obscure people 
uses non-entities, which non-entities amidst us, to live a very profound or to leave an indelible mark in our Christian lives. Those that we think are the least and their names are not much pronounced amidst us and yet they hold the faith truthfully are oftentimes a great asset in God's hands to accomplish his promises or to accomplish his tasks. Allow me this morning then to prove this statement which I have just said from Ananias' case. Okay? The statement that I've said that God sometimes uses non-entities so that he leaves indelible or profound marks in our Christian life. Now, I want to prove that statement from the scriptures using the Ananias story as my case study. And I hope we're together. Okay? I hope we're together there. Okay? And that's what I'm going to do this morning. And to do that, I'll advance to you three things. Just three things, and we will be done. I was a liar, isn't it? I said I was going to dwell on one point. Now I've shifted, I'm dwelling on three things. Those three things, dear friends, is not a lie, are pointing to the one thing. So basically, I'm talking to you about one thing. Okay? Talking to you about one. So firstly, look at this. Firstly, the choice of Ananias through the vision which he saw and which God brought upon him, God is using Ananias as an instrument in the salvation of Saul. That use of Ananias as an instrument in the salvation of the Apostle Paul, dear friends, is not by chance, but by design. Okay? I want to show you how that leaves an indelible mark on the Apostle uh, Paul. Why do I say that? Now, because Ananias and Saul, if you look at the scriptures here, Ananias and Saul, you will see and notice that they are beds of a same spiritual feather. You, 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 you know the, the saying, eh? Beds of a feather. Yeah? Beds of the feather, buddies. Now, I want to show you that there is a similarity between Ananias and Saul that makes God design it in such a way that this Saul of Tarsus should meet this Ananias of Damascus and that God should use this Ananias of Damascus as an instrument for the salvation of Saul. Let's read Acts chapter 22. Let's get to Acts chapter 22. Get to Acts chapter 22. 
Now, you remember, this is a defense that the apostle now, Paul, is making after he has been arrested and he has been brought before the tri tribune so that he gives an account of this faith of his. And starting from verse 6, let's read starting from verse 6 of chapter 22 of us. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to So, so, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand of those who were with me and came into Damascus. There we go now. And one Ananias, listen to the description of Ananias. I want you to pay particular attention to that. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of all by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Oh, oh, brother, so receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Now, I want you to notice something about Ananias here. He is described as a devout man. A religious man, a sanctimonious man, one who practiced his religion far beyond the rest. For what? That's, that's what it means. He was devout, as it were, according to the law, the Mosaic law and the teachings of the prophets. When people looked at the law and looked at this Ananias, they said there is a true example of one who is a religious zealot. Right? No wonder he was well spoken of by all the Jews. He was well spoken of by all the Jews. Why? Of course the Jews. Their meat and bread was the law, isn't it? Law. The only thing that we know about him that makes him a little bit different from the other Jews, this Ananias, 
is that he was a disciple. Now, if you read carefully about that account, he was part and parcel of those people who were of the way. Now, when the Bible says they were of the way, they are, it is referring to the passage of Scripture that the Lord himself pronounced and says, I am the way, the truth, and the... So, they picked up that one phrase and coined themselves as people of the way. And that way is Christ. This Ananias, dear friends, the only difference with him, with Saul, was that he was of the way. Saul, before this instance, was not of the way. Okay? Good. Now, let, let, let's, 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 let's look at Saul of Tarsus. I want us to look at Saul of Tarsus and see how this Saul of Tarsus had so much in similarity with this Ananias of Damascus. They were birds of a feather. Dear friends, the way God works, you might not see it, but he works in such a way that his choices are not by chance, but by the ordained from the very beginning. And they might be ordained through a non-entity. Okay, let's, let's get to Philippians. Let's go to Philippians. Let's go to Philippians. Let's get to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Let's get to Philippians chapter 3. I want you in there to notice of how the description of Paul himself, of Paul by himself, has great similarity to the description that he gives to Ananias of Damascus. And here is what he says. From verse 4 to verse 6. He says, Though I myself have reason to be confident, for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. says, I have some. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, a Jew. A Jew. I am, well, that's what he's saying. I am a Jew. Should people be doubting? I am of the tribe of Benjamin. Should people be doubting further? I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness. Under the law, blameless. Are you seeing the similarity there? <laughs> this is what the apostle is saying. See, before my conversion, before my conversion, I was a devout man according to the law. 
before my conversion, I was spoken well by my fellow Jews. Before my conversion, I was zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Is that not the same description that we are given of Ananias? Is that not? It is. It is. It is the same. It is. And what does God do? And what does God do? God says, the non-entity that is called Ananias, that lives in Damascus, is the instrument I have ordained and that I am going to use so that he meets this sinner from Tarsus called Saul, but because they are birds of a feather, when the Apostle Paul says, I am zealous, Ananias would know what zealous means. When the Apostle Paul says, but I am righteous according to the law, he will exactly know Ananias what that means. When the Apostle Paul says, I excelled beyond my peers and they were all giving me accolades, the Apostle Paul, Ananias would also know what that means. And what does God do? God makes Ananias and Saul to meet for the salvation of this man. As I said, the only difference is that Ananias is born again. No wonder his message. No wonder his message. He did not stop where he was telling the Apostle Paul and saying, oh yeah, you are zealous in the faith. Ah oh, yeah, you are, your works are good. Everybody is... No, 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 no. Brother Paul, listen to what he says in Acts chapter 22, isn't it? That testimony. He says, and he makes an appeal to the Apostle Paul. Ananias makes an appeal to the Apostle Paul in verse 16 of Acts chapter 22. And now, why do you wait, rise, and be baptized, and wash away your sins, holding on the name of the Lord? What a gospel. It could come from no, such a conclusion could not come from no any other person save him who knew that his righteousness in the law, zealousness in the law, being known by people about the law and being sanctimonious according to the law in itself could not save. He must save and him alone. And what does he tell his peer? The same man who was under the same circumstances, under the same knowledge, under the same view about his religion. He tells him, friend, it's more than that. You need to be washed away. Your sins need to be washed away. You need to call upon the name of the Lord. You need to be baptized so that you are like me. Dear friends, can you see the great work there of a non-entity? 
Can you? Yes. Don't sit on the pew there and say to yourself, there is nothing that I can do. No, no, no. The point, dear friends, that we are emphasizing here is this. God uses obscure instruments to achieve great purposes. Take away Ananias in the life of the Apostle Paul. Think him away. Perhaps we would still be grappling with the unfinished scriptures, isn't it? Yes, we would. Take away Ananias from this incident. We would not have the Pauline letters, would we? Take him away. So might not have been saved. Don't take yourself away because you think you are not worthy to be used of God. You might be the Ananias of Damascus who, with that word, completes the covenant of grace. But let me still prove my point by going to the uh, to, the, to, to the second point. Let me go to the second point. Notice in the second place that Ananias left an indelible and profound mark on the Apostle Paul doctrinally. Doctrinally. I want to prove that point to you. That he, Despite him just going there and laying hands on him and say, Brother Paul, receive your sight. One of the things that we notice from the scripture is this, that Ananias left an indelible doctrinal issue in the mind of the Apostle Paul. Let me prove to you that. Let's get back to Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 9, where we started from. Let's get back to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Here is what Acts chapter 9 says. Verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on Saul, he said to him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Full stop. No, notice here one or two things that, that Ananias is telling the apostle at his conversion. What is he saying to Saul here? The Lord whom you saw on the way has sent me. He has actually said that you are going to be set apart. That's the reason why I have come here. It's not out of my own accord. 
It's not I, Ananias, who is saying, come out from there, Apostle Paul. No, it is Christ. In other ways, Ananias recognizes the fact that the apostleship or the work that is being assigned to this soul of Tarsus is nothing else but the hand of God providentially calling him to the work. That's what he said. That's what he is saying. That's what we read there. Look at what we read in in Acts chapter 22. How that those words left an indelible and profound mark on the apostle. Here is the apostle talking about the same instance in Acts chapter 22. And he says in verse 14, and he said, and that is Ananias saying to the apostle, the God of our fathers appointed you, called you, chose you, selected you. That's what Ananias is saying. To know his will. He says somewhere, when I was with you, I chose to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. The will of God, isn't it? To see the righteous one and to hear his voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. Okay? Here's the doctrinal position that Ananias is giving to Saul. Chosen as a vessel of God to do his will, to be a witness to the Gentiles far and wide as it were. The apostle doesn't forget that doctrine. Let's turn to Galatians, Galatians chapter 1. The apostle Paul doesn't forget that doctrine. From an entity from Damascus, isn't it? From a non-entity from Damascus, these non-entities, they can leave an indelible mark on us, profound mark on us. We should not belittle them. Galatians, let's turn to Galatians, in chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, and we'll read verses 11 to, to 17 from there. For I would have you know, brethren, that's the Apostle Paul, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And as I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my... But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace. Where is that instance? 
Where is that instance? Is it not in the house of Judas? Yes. And who is present in the house of Judas on Straight Street? Ananias. And who is this Ananias? The character who sits on a corner at a church there. Timid looking as it were. Even his singing is obnoxious. And yet God uses this Ananias and to impart such doctrinal issues on the, the head of the apostle. He's still remembering. God who set me apart. When that Ananias came and said, Brother Paul, God has sent me so that he sets you apart to be a witness. No, no, let me... Let me strengthen my point, uh, Philippians chapter 3. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 to 11. Verse 4. The same, the, the same, the same passage of scripture that we, we had read earlier on, isn't it? Yes, we read that passage of scripture here. And the Apostle Paul there again is stressing the point of that the law and righteousness in the law and that which he thought was going to lead him to salvation and was doing good to God, he says that I count as dumb because of the surpassing knowledge of Christ my God. When did he start counting it as dumb? Brother Paul, Brother Saul, both of us, Zealous in the law. Russia's being looked upon by others as perfect. But this is useless. So says Ananias. It's useless. What is of gain is this? Remember in Acts chapter 22? Remember? Repent. Wash your sins away and call upon his name. Is that not what the apostle is saying here? All that which I held on to, when I heard Ananias say to me, wash your sins and call upon the name of the Lord and immediately I did that. The rest that I held to, nonsense. Rubbish. And we have got the great epistle of the Romans, isn't it? Revealing to us, not by works, that a man should boast. It is not by works. No. You see how that the beginnings of the Pauline doctrine has got a link to this fellow called Ananias? It has. It has. It's that, it's that fella whom you consider a non-entity who lives in terrible marks on our Christian lives. Uh, but uh, let me 
rush on to my final point. I, 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 was, I was just trying to prove to you the statement that I made at the beginning. And the statement that I made at the beginning is this. That God, in his own wise counsel, can use non-entities to leave indelible marks upon our Christian life. And the apostle received that. The indelible mark of salvation. Indelible mark of doctrine. But look at the other indelible mark that Ananias leaves. Thirdly, notice how Ananias leaves a remarkable, indelible mark on the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Look, look, look this, this can fail called Ananias. I'm wondering, he might have even by the time the Apostle Paul was talking about it in Acts chapter 22, verse 12 to 16, when he was defending himself. This, this guy, Ananias, he might have even have perished by then. I hope not. You get the point? I hope not. You know? But time had passed. And the Apostle Paul is almost coming to the end of his ministry. And he is being incarcerated as it were for preaching that which he heard first from Ananias. And through and through his apostolic life, he has lived that and he has said his faith and faith alone. Repentance and baptism and calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And he doesn't forget that even in his old time in ministry. Acts chapter 22 back. Acts chapter 22. Back to Acts chapter 22. Here is the Apostle Paul in making his defense to the tribune regarding his arrest. He gives evidence on being an innocent man, relying on his encounter with Ananias. Do you see that? He makes a defense. Relying on his encounter with Aaron in verse 12, of course, of Acts chapter 22. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who live, came to me and standing by me, said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and when I returned to Jerusalem and I was praying in the temple, he goes on to make his defense. What an terrible mark that he leaves on the testimony of the apostle. What an terrible mark this Ananias does. That even when he is going to be in chains, one would have thought that he should have used certain of some stance as an apostle 
or bombard them with such doctrine as they never have heard and then they would say ah there is no case here mandimwe yeah. the prosecution can't prove and oh, no 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 he refers to Ananias that devout man he is the one who started it and lo and behold i am what i am save these chains because of ananias dear friends the emphasis cannot go beyond what i have said and the lesson cannot be underlined three or four times let those that have ears hear we do it at our own peril if we neglect those that are nonentities in our church we miss god's providential acts if we see them and walk the other way we do injustice to fellowship and to we dismantle the indelible marks that god would have implanted in our lives because we have looked at them as nonentities may it be that we look at no man as a nonentity at no woman as a nonentity but like ananias looked at saul that each and every one of them would say brother saul sister what brother what for they are instruments of god to deliver god's purposes and will in our lives may it be so pray our great god and our father who is in heaven thank you once again for your goodness and your kindness to us that we, we could learn such profound lessons from the encounter of Saul with Ananias and lord we thank you that such, that encounter was necessary because we have the scriptures we have the full counsel of god because ananias spoke into the life of saul of tarsus that instrument brought the light of god to the gentiles because ananias was obedient to go and lay his hands on the apostle oh lord may it be that we too might be such instruments whether in much or in little but the combination should bring praise and glory and honor and accomplish the purposes of God for this we do pray and ask in Jesus name amen thank you very much brethren for paying attention